Welcome to Shelf Logic, the official podcast of the Maricopa County Library District. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Caroline, and I'm a library paraprofessional working at the Litchfield Park Branch Library. I'm here with Tim, a library assistant here at Litchfield Park. Today, we are talking about graphic novels that tie into our favorite movie and television shows. I read all of the graphic novels that we are talking about today on Hoopla. You can also find them on our shelves. Hoopla is a streaming service you can use with your computer, smartphone, tablet, smart TV, or streaming device. Here are the graphic novels we read for this podcast. Star Wars, Dr. Aphra, Volumes 1 and 2, Blade Runner 2019, Volumes 1 and 2, Dune, House Atreides, Volumes 1 and 2, and Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Volumes 1 and 2. Tim, why don't we start with Blade Runner 2019? Uh, this graphic novel was co-written by Michael Green. He also co-wrote the newer Blade Runner film, 20, Blade Runner 2049. Yes, uh, and 2019 takes place in the same year as the original movie was set in. So if you're a fan of the original movie, it's very... Um, it's lifted almost wholesale mm -hmm. that it's still set in new Los Angeles and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So it's very neo-noir, very uh, a, a Blade Runner is hired by a very rich gentleman, the leader of the Tyrell group or... Mm -hmm. um, Right. I, what I thought was interesting about that was when they were talking about the reasons why um, Ash, who is the main character, yes. is hired by this rich man. And they make a reference that it sounds like something from the movie. They talk about um, a wife and daughter went missing after the birthday party of young Lydia Tyrell. Yes. And I'm like, is this the niece that Rachel mentions having the memories of in the movie Blade Runner. Yeah, so the tie-ins to the movie are both very specific and very broad. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not 100% certain, actually, on that connection. I, I actually love this, uh, this book quite a bit because I love noir and neo-noir mm -hmm. and Blade Runner in general. Um, it does throw a lot of names at you very quickly and just sort of goes, you'll know all these. Yeah. <laughs> you'll know these people. Uh, you, you, you know what, what Blade Runner's all about. You've seen the movies. Yeah, and while I, I have and I do, um, it is a, a whole lot of names to just like remember and keep track of right out of the gate. But... That being said, that's probably the only downside of this comic. Mm -hmm. It's very good. Mm -hmm. If you like Neo-Noir or Blade Runner, it it gives you exactly what you're looking for. You go to the Tannhauser Gate. Right. Uh, you spend time out in space. You see more about colonies and mm -hmm. things like that. Yeah, there's just all these different references. Like at one point, Ash says... One of the reasons I'm not popular with my colleagues is I don't worship on the altar of Voigt and Kampf. And everybody knows about the Voigt-Kampf test. Yes. Uh, and Ash, Ash does things her own way. Mm -hmm. And it gets her in trouble a lot of the time. Yeah. Uh, 
but she also is not a uh, not so beholden to how things are done that she can't change. Mm -hmm. And over the course of the series, uh, which does run three volumes, you see her perspective on replicants um, change and grow. Right. Yeah, and that's interesting because I have I feel like with this um, whole the Blade Runner series that it has really gone more and more towards um, having more feelings towards replicants. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think that's there in the original movie too. Mm -hmm. Like they, they are, replicants are just like humans where it's not always black and white. Mm -hmm. You get to the end where Roy Batty has the very famous uh, tears and rain speech. Mm -hmm. But before that, it's like, well, they're the bad guys. And then by the end is when it becomes muddy. Yes. When you have these people who they know that their life is short and they're trying to live longer. And what I just said was people. I just called them people. Yes. Yeah. Instead of replicants. So, yeah. And then you get even more into that with this these two graphic novels and with the movie um, Blade Runner 2049. Yes, and then the sequel to T Blade Runner 2019, Blade Runner 2029, uh, is a three-volume comic series that also delves even deeper into that, where Ash now has a, um, a girlfriend who's a replicant, and she's actively helping replicants through the... Uh, sort of like underground system to get them off planet mm -hmm. and to protect them. And her growth is sort of the reader's growth and the viewer's growth and how it's developed over time. Um, but yes, it's, it's well drawn, it's well written. Obviously, uh, the co-writer is the co-writer of Blade Runner 2049. Mm -hmm. He's very familiar with the source material right, right. Uh, so it's it's very steeped in the lore of mm -hmm. Blade Runner and I I fully support anyone going out of their way to read this one it's it's definitely one that I greatly enjoy yes okay so the next one we're going to talk about is the Buffy the Vampire Slayer and this is more like a reimagining of the story. And we have the same characters as we did from the um, TV show and other graphic novels. Yes. Uh, and it's, it's a sort of a semi-reboot because it's not a, like a full reboot because as we learn, there's a Buffy multiverse that sort of gets developed in some of the later volumes. But it does basically have the exact same setup as Buffy the Vampire Slayer from 1997, except it transports the characters to modern day. So things like in the show, Willow uh, was not out uh, until, what, season four or five? Yeah, something like that, yeah. And in this one, in the very first volume, Willow has a girlfriend. Right. And it's not treated as a big deal or anything. Mm -hmm. um, and it just sort of reflects societal changes from when the original series was created. Yeah, that's true. Another thing that's interesting, and I don't know how 
how it goes because I just read the first um, two volumes, but you have Joyce, her mom, has a live-in boyfriend. Now, that's yes. very different. He's a totally new character. Yes. And there's other things like um, Xander is very clearly depressed and talks about depression, whereas that was sort of just an undercurrent of the character mm-hmm. through the, the, the original series where he was dealing with feelings of inadequacy, especially compared to his friends. Right. And that sort of gets, that's, he Mm -hmm. confronts that head on from the very beginning Mm -hmm. uh, in these volumes. Yeah. We even start the whole thing off with Anya. Yes. And Anya didn't come into the series until, what, about the third or fourth season. Yeah, and she's one of the the first characters that you meet. Yes. Yeah, and um, let's see. It sort of bypasses the master arc from mm-hmm. the first season almost completely. Yeah, um, Jenny Callender. Yeah. Um, is Giles' girlfriend, and it's just that, you know, you don't have them meeting and starting to fall in love or anything. It's just boom, here they are together and they both are doing magic and they both know what's going on. And, and that happens a lot in this is just like, it's just boom, it happens. It's, it's not built up to yes. anything. And there's no like big thing where Giles doesn't know modern technology. Uh, because as I read this, I got the, the hankering to go back and rewatch, uh, Buffy. And I was surprised by how much of, uh, like Giles just hated technology early on. Mm-hmm. And there's not really that, like him and Miss Calendar are pretty well acquainted. The other thing is that, um, Willow and Xander become part of the team, the Scooby team, right from the beginning. They're like, okay, we're here and we're going to help you slay vampires. Yeah. And they start training and you don't get that with the the TV show. It took a while before they understood what was going on. In fact, I think right after they just, they meet with like a, a vampire attacking them. And yeah, it just really starts boom right off the bat with all of the storylines. Yeah, I I think it's it's still very well done. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of translating these characters to a modern day setting at first doesn't seem like that big of a change, mm-hmm. but as we mentioned, it it changes a lot. Uh, there are just so many things that little things that are different mm-hmm. that the original series. Uh, has going that this series Mm -hmm. uh, just can't do or has to do in another way. Mm -hmm. And that leads to things where like Drusilla and Spike show up much faster. Right. And they have a very different dynamic in their relationship. Uh, Where Drusilla is much less whimsical and much less... um, Scary crazy. Yeah. Uh, whereas in this one, she's much more dominant over Spike. Oh, and, right. Yes, definitely. And very, like, she is the lead personality in the duo. Right. And you have Spike being weaker, having a weaker personality, and actually um, sympathizing with Xander and Xander's issues. Yes. And so it, it's very interesting the, the route the comic takes. 
Um, I would recommend this to anyone who's a, a fan of the right. original series mm -hmm. uh, in a heartbeat because it is a great look at the characters in a, a new dynamic. Exactly, exactly. Okay, and so our next graphic novel is Dune House Atreides, and this is based on the novel of the same name uh, by Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson. Yes, uh, and so with pretty much everything else that we read or looked at uh, for this podcast, I had a, a pretty good background in, uh, except for this, because <laughs> I, I never read Dune, I've never seen any of the TV series or movies. Shame on you, Tim. Yes, I uh, not even the most recent movie I have not seen. So I came into this completely without like any prior Dune knowledge. And you do know that it's an express DVD, so you can watch the Dune, new Dune anytime. I do, yes. <laughs> uh, and it does have a lot of actors I really enjoy in it. Mm -hmm. So I, and this was actually a very good book too. Mm -hmm. um, it also has the same sort of problem Blade Runner did, where it throws a lot at you very quickly, and it's just like, you should know these names. Right, exactly. And, and I did, but, yeah. Uh, and I did not. So <laughs> it was very much like, uh, almost like a fantasy uh, world, where it just throws you into all these kingdoms and everything like that, and it throws you into all these noble houses. Mm -hmm. And you're jumping from planet to planet as the story goes along, and there's a rebellion on Ix, and uh, young uh, Paul Atreides, I think it's Paul. Uh, Leto. Leto, yes. Yeah, Paul is the Paul, main character from yeah, Dude. <laughs> yes, Paul gets mentioned, I think, in like something I was reading that described this book, mm -hmm. uh, because I... Paul is the main character. Yeah, Paul is the main character so, of Dune. <laughs> yes. So, uh, as you can tell, I'm not super familiar with the series, but uh, I enjoyed it because it really does feel like a fantasy story, and I love fantasy also. And it, it feels like it's just familiar enough to Earth, where everything you can go, okay, I get what they're going for with this, and... Uh, it's almost games of Game of Thrones, uh, where all these noble houses are conspiring against each other, and for the most part, they don't really overlap. Mm -hmm. Like they overlap a little over the course of the books, mm -hmm. but not a whole lot. <laughs> uh, what did you think of it, Caroline? Um, I liked it, and I liked it because. Well, actually, when I first started reading it, I'm like, why are you asking all these questions? It's obvious the answers are in the original Dune novel. I'm like, wait a minute, it's a prequel. So they're trying to ask the questions that will be answered later. So that, that was like interesting. And then I, I liked finding out the origin stories of some of the characters and finding the reasons why certain people did certain things and like, things like that. So um, learning about uh, Leto a little bit more and his relationship with his father. Um, I did not realize that um, Duncan Idaho had become a part of the House of Atreides as a young boy and what his background was. 
um, you find out about uh, Baron Harkonnen and how the Bene Gesserit were um, manipulating them to get him to have a child who turns out to be Jessica, who is Paul's mother. So there are a lot of things going on in here that are definitely a prequel to the original um, Dune book. Yes, and I will say it did get me to start investigating more because apparently House of Atreides is the first of three prequel books that goes House Harkonnen and um, I forget the last one. I'm not sure what the last one is either. But they're very... Uh, yeah, I, I admit that I did not pay very much attention to those novels. I was more of a um, redune, redune Messiah, you know, the original ones, the prequels that were written by Brian Herbert because Frank Herbert has since passed away. Um, with the help of Kevin J. Anderson, um, I wasn't really interested in those. But I enjoyed the graphic novel. Yes, it's, uh, it's like I said, I had no prior uh, knowledge of Dune pretty much at all. <laughs> and by the end of this, I was like, okay, I, I, I'm interested to see more. Mm -hmm. And I want to see how these characters end up connecting. Because I know they all sort of end up together. Right. And it's fascinating to know that, but that that's years down the line mm -hmm. and that it's all building to that. And yeah, and there's even introductions of, diff of new characters to the storyline that you didn't know about, yes. you know, um, when you have what happens with Ix yes. and how that royal family um, has to has to leave because of a rebellion yes. and you end up with the children of that royal family coming into the house of Trades and being taken care of by them yes um i had no idea that wasn't really mentioned and it's it's all well done it's all very well put together too that's that's probably the strongest point outside of our last title i think dune uh house of Trades is probably like the cleanest looking of all of the the mm -hmm. titles where because it has to juggle so many stories every yeah. character is very specific yeah it, i think for you it would have been really nice if there was an appendix at the back yes. that had all of the different characters and maybe showed you the houses and all the yeah. characters and where they where they belong uh, kind of like family trees I uh, I did uh, I did have to pick that up as I went along. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I think that brings us to our final entry. Mm -hmm. Yes, and that's a Star Wars one with um, Doctor Afra, and um, I believe it takes place between New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. Is that correct? Yes, I believe that is accurate. Okay, and this was not a character that I knew anything about, but one of the characters showed up in um, the Book of Boba Fett. Yes, Kersantan, the, the Wookiee bounty hunter. Um, he, uh, he works with uh, Dr. Afra, and this is before the Book of Boba Fett, I should say. Mm -hmm. um, Dr. Afra was created first in the Darth Vader comic that came out, I believe, 2015. And she was essentially 
sort of a morally gray version of uh, Indiana Jones, uh, an archaeologist who didn't really care about what she was researching. She just mm -hmm. did it for profit. Right. For example, the second volume that we're reading of her solo series is titled Dr. Afra and the Enormous Prophet. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's, uh, and this isn't like a big guru. No, this is actually the a big amount of money, money. <laughs> that she, she wants. Yes. Yeah. So Dr. Afra is slightly comedic. Um, I this, I'd say more so than any of the others we read. Mm -hmm. uh, it features her, uh, Kersantan the Wookiee, mm -hmm. and who she owes a debt to. Right. And he won't let her get away without repaying it. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's why he ends up protecting her. Yeah, and then the droids. And then the droids, Triple <laughs> Zero and BT. Mm -hmm. And Triple Zero is a... A protocol droid, just like C-3PO, and Triple Zero, or not Triple Zero, BT, is a astromech droid like uh, uh, R2-D2. They're kind of like the mirror universe yes. of, <laughs> of the characters. If you gave them evil goatees, right. it, would, it would fit right in. Yeah, and they seem fine until you realize that it's like they were made to torture and kill people. Yes, and... Triple Zero is constantly translating what BT says, but only tangentially. So he's responding to him, and BT is constantly talking about setting things on fire mm -hmm. or just destroying everywhere they're at. Mm -hmm. So Triple Zero is like, no, we can't do that right now. We have something else to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, yes, I know. It is a shame. <laughs> and it's very, very funny, but they're also evil characters. Yeah. The, the comic does not try to hide that these are evil droids. Mm -hmm. Kersantan is not a good guy. No. And Dr. Afra is at best morally ambiguous. Right, right. <laughs> so you are really reading a, uh, a Star Wars comic that deals mm -hmm. from the perspective of the bad guys. Mm -hmm. But what's interesting about it is it's kind of an origin story because you find out about why Dr. Afra is the way she is from her relationship with her father. Yes. And you, you go through these and it sort of relates back to you, uh, not just her relationship with her father, but you kind of get what she went through in the Darth Vader comic, where she had to essentially fake her own death. And when she's in a space station near Darth Vader, Darth Vader tells the stormtroopers he's with, he's like, I sense a presence I have not felt in some time. A very annoying yeah. <laughs> and that's pretty much their relationship uh, it's the character is very very fun and it explores the Star Wars universe in a way that doesn't relate to any of the Skywalkers or really the Jedi all that much mm -hmm. outside of some of the artifacts she's looking for it really just deals with the grimy underbelly yeah uh, but you're getting that now with Star Wars stories. Yes. I mean, when you watch The Mandalorian or The Book of Boba Fett, you're getting that. You're getting the criminal side of Star Wars. And there's a reason why Kersantan fits right in with The Book of Boba Fett, is because those types of stories fit right together. Mm -hmm. And 
you get characters. I'm I'm excited to see if Afra ever shows up in a movie or TV show. Mm-hmm. I I love the character. I I think the books are great. I think that she could slip in very easily. Yes, I I'd love to see Doctor Afra in a live action movie mm-hmm. or TV show, and it's well written by Kieran Gillen. Uh, the art is great. Kev Walker did the art, and it's it's a tremendous mm-hmm. tremendous book. And because it's done by Marvel, it's very professional and yeah. clean looking. And we also, uh, before this, had a little bit of a conversation about, so if we're supposed to like graphic novels with superheroes that are good and bad, how, how come we like this Dr. Afra graphic novel so much where everybody's basically bad? I think it's because she's just morally ambiguous enough that pretty much everyone can see something about themselves in Dr. Afra, where it's just like her worst qualities are really bad, but her good qualities are very, very funny. Mm -hmm. And like her going through costume changes during Mm -hmm. her big reveal of the artifact she took and wanting to sell it to these criminal organizations, she comes out in, I think, three different costumes over the course of that story. And it's... Her sense of flamboyance is very, like, over the top. Mm-hmm. Everything has a quip. Everything is funny. Right. Uh, and it's masked. To, it's used to mask her her true feelings. Mm-hmm. And she does get a little bit serious occasionally. Right. And when she does, she's incredibly dangerous. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yes, I think, like all great antiheroes, she. She fills a sort of void of bad guys that you want to go good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and I, I love anti-heroes like that. So yeah. I think the, ma- the vast majority of the public does too. Yeah. So, but I think that brings us to the end. Yes. So thank you everyone for listening today. Um, Tim and I had a fun time reading these graphic novels and talking about them. Um, You can find many other graphic novels based on Star Wars, Blade Runner, Dune, and Buffy the Vampire Slayer on Hoopla. So um, we would like to invite you back to uh, listen to more self-logic podcasts in the future. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening to Shelf Logic. Make sure to hit subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Follow us on social media where we are at MCLDAZ.